One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody, episode 395 of the podcast. It is Swooping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday afternoon, June 2nd. 2021 people we have ourselves an emergency podcast so this is an emergency podcast i'm recording in real time as soon as i'm finished recording it is going up no waiting until thursday morning but it's crazy right because tuesday's episode which i recorded monday night i will be honest coming out of the memorial day weekend there was about as little for me to talk about as i can possibly remember possibly remember having to talk about on this show we Talked, obviously, the Kyrie Irving situation, fans, that whole relationship. We did some Aaron right, Aaron wrong. But I bring it up to say I just I was trying to think of anything to talk about that was interesting. I was worried about that for Thursday's show. And instead, two mega bombshells drop on Wednesday afternoon. So we are recording. This is an emergency podcast. We're not waiting until Thursday to post this. This puppy is going up Wednesday night. The two stories, of course, are this. First of all, Coach K... Mike Krzyzewski, literally one of the two or three most iconic men's college basketball coaches in the history of the sport of college basketball, has announced that he will retire after this season. So he has one final season in the 2021-2022 season. Also, and this is kind of equally, like I thought this was the leading story of today's show, Brad Stevens, who of course was the one-time iconic Butler coach, goes to the NBA, he steps down as the Boston Celtics head coach, he is moving to the front office, but we will talk about the possibility of does he come back, because there's about six, seven, eight programs in college basketball, whether it is, frankly, Duke, Indiana, North Carolina, Kentucky, that have all kind of viewed Brad Stevens as that that holy grail, when our job opens, we are going to hire that guy, Uh, so we'll we'll talk a little bit about Brad Stevens at the end of the show, but for right now, I want to open with, frankly, not even the biggest news of the day, but I mean, you could argue this is maybe the biggest news, college basketball news, maybe of my entire lifetime, as Mike Krzyzewski, a guy who is as synonymous with any school in modern college athletics as anyone announces that he is stepping aside as Duke's head coach. I probably should have mentioned off the top, John Shire, his, I guess, longtime assistant, former player, will be named his replacement following this coming season. Um, But this is insane. And so what I want to do is I kind of want to break it down into three parts. One, Coach K and his legacy. Two, why he decided to retire, because to me that's the most interesting part. And then three, what Duke basketball looks like after Coach K. But in terms of his legacy, look, I think it's about as ironclad and set in stone as anyone possibly, uh, anyone's legacy possibly could be at one school. This guy, again, is as synonymous with Duke as a university as any single person is in America with any single individual university, at least living. Look, if you want to talk about Bear Bryant 100 years ago, John Wooden 100 years ago, that's a different conversation. But right now in our era, I mean, nobody, when you think of a school, do you think of one person quite like Mike Krzyzewski? 
who has been at Duke, and this blew my mind, it blows my mind to this day, since the 1980-81 season, okay? I am in my mid-30s. I'm getting old. I got gray hair. I do not remember a day in my life because it did not exist. There has never been a day in my life where Mike Krzyzewski is not the head coach of Duke basketball, and I would guess for many of you, it's the same. You do not remember a world where Duke basketball existed without Coach K, and I'll take it a step further. You probably don't remember a world where college basketball existed without Coach K and Duke being the villain of college basketball, maybe being the biggest name coach and the biggest brand in the sport. Nick Coffey brings it up all the time on this show. He said it a bunch of times, and so I want to give him credit for it. He says, Coach K is almost America's college basketball coach. He's like the face of college basketball in a way that Nick Saban is the face of college football, in a way that uh, LeBron James is the face of the NBA right now, whatever. Coach K is college basketball, and he's retiring and as much as we all love to poke at him and make fun of him and, and do all the stuff, and he's got the, the, the bleach black hair, which uh, you know is still hysterical. Like, we like to make the jokes, but I think we also have, like, respect for him, right? I mean, this guy has done it so long, so consistently, uh, five national championships since that 1980-81 season. Uh, he has made 12 Final Fours, dating all the way back to 1986. I bet the vast majority of people listening to this podcast weren't even born when Coach K made his first Final Four. Uh, you know, 12 ACC regular season titles, 15 ACC tournament titles, and you go through not only the players that he has coached, but the players he has coached against. It is unbelievable. Uh, Christian Leitner, maybe the single most polarizing college basketball player of my lifetime played at Duke. J.J. Redick, maybe the second or third most single polarizing college basketball player of my lifetime. Duke. Grayson Allen, Duke. But then you go back, Jay Billis, uh, Johnny Dawkins. Guys, you know, Johnny Dawkins is at the end of his coaching career as a coach, and he played for Coach K when he was in college. Same with Tommy Amaker, on and on down the list. And then on the flip side, you also have all of the great players and coaches that he has coached against. Coach K is in many ways a college basketball encyclopedia. Think of just about every relevant college basketball coach that you've watched or you like or you love or you hate or whoever. Coach K's coached against him. Uh, he's coached against Dean Smith, North Carolina. He's coached against Jerry Tarkanian, UNLV. Neither of them is any longer with us. John Thompson, who just passed away, was a one-time contemporary of Coach K. Jim Calhoun, who's obviously, thankfully, still with us, coached against Coach K in two Final Fours. Uh, Lute Olson, who recently passed away, 1997, uh, or 2001 National Championship game, Lute Olson versus Mike Krzyzewski. Obviously, 97 was Rick Pitino versus Lute Olson, so forgive me for that. But Rick Pitino, I mean, you think about all those great coaches. Jerry Tarkanian, John Thompson, Jim Beheim, who I didn't even mention, Dean Smith, Jim Valvano, Jim Calhoun. I, I, it's incredible. The players, Michael Jordan. He coached against Michael Jordan in college, in college. Len Bias, uh, you know, at UConn, Ray Allen, Rip Hamilton, Larry Johnson, the Fab Five, Juwan Howard is now a head coach. Chris Webber is going into the Hall of Fame. Coach K coached against them. And what's incredible to me when I think back about it is 
on the one hand, he is the rival, the school that everybody loves to hate. And now I think like it's going to be the weird thing where we kind of respect him now that he's retiring. But you can, you can explain his level of success. Maybe this is the best way I can put it. You can explain his level of success with how many schools hate Duke and believe that Duke to some degree is some sort of rival for them. So let me explain what that means. So North Carolina is Duke's obvious rival, right? NC State fans hate Duke, obvious reasons, right, in that same area. But I'll tell you this, Kentucky fans, you all know what I'm talking about. Outside of Louisville, you don't hate anything or anyone more than Duke, and it dates back to 1992, and we all know what happened. Christian Leitner steps on a guy's chest, you lose that game, whatever. But what I always tell Kentucky fans, Kentucky fans think North Carolina and Kentucky are the only ones that hate Duke. Let me tell you a funny story. I grew up in Connecticut, okay? I don't think people realize that at one point, at one point, they did a local sports talk radio poll, and I think it was the only local sports talk show we even had on in Connecticut at the point, and they did the number one hated villain in Connecticut sports history. You know what it was? It was Christian Leitner from Duke, and you know why? Because Christian Leitner hit a buzzer beater in 1990 to knock UConn out of the NCAA tournament in the Elite Eight in what was the first great run in the history of UConn athletics. So just think about that. North Carolina fans hate Duke. Uh, Kentucky fans hate Duke. UConn fans hate Duke. I have Arizona friends, friends that went to Arizona that say, we hate Duke. They, they beat us in the 2001 National Championship game. You go, ah, Wisconsin, I know for a fact, hates. Like, you go on and on and on down the list, and it just speaks to his legacy. And again, you don't have to like him. I'm not glorifying him. But what I am saying is it speaks to his success that all of these schools personally hate him because at some, t- some point he beat them. And again, you go think about all those coaches, all those players, like I mentioned. The Fab Five, Jer- Jerry Tarkany and UNLV. Uh, Michael Jordan, North Carolina. Dean Smith, North Carolina, Jim Calhoun, on and on and on and on and on. It is so incredible how long he has been in college basketball and, frankly, how long the period of success is that he had in college basketball. Really struggled his first couple years. He gets that great Jay Billis class in with Jay Billis and Johnny Dawkins. They go to the national championship game in 1986 and, of course, outside for a back surgery in 1994. Basically, they have never stopped being one of the two or three biggest brands and best teams in college basketball. That's his legacy. That's his testament. We can love him. We can hate him. We can joke. We can make fun when he loses in the Elite Eight with Zion Williamson or the second round with Jason Tatum. But the guy has been college basketball. And I think in some ways, college basketball is going to suffer without him. We're still going to watch. And I'm not going to get into too much of this. But you always flip on Duke to see who are the guys that Coach K has that I'm going to be watching in the NBA next year. Who are the next stars? Who are the next this? Who are the next that? You watch them when they play Kentucky in the Champions Classic, which is how they'll open this coming season. You watch them when they play North Carolina. And I do think a little bit of that is going to be lost when Coach K is gone. Now, to me, what is just as interesting is why Coach K is leaving. And I immediately recognized why. Because to me, it is the same reason that Roy Williams retired. It is the same reason that Urban Meyer announced that he, when he, there was interest from the University of Texas in Urban Meyer. And it's because college sports are changing very fast. And I don't know that a lot of these guys that have been old school, that have been in this thing for 30, 40, 50 years, 
they want to stay for the next iteration of college sports. And that's not a criticism. That's not me tearing down Coach K. That's not me saying that Coach K makes $10 million a year. He can share a little bit with the players. It's just a fact. It is just a fact of reality that college athletics is changing really quick. Now, in Coach K's case, I do think the timing is very interesting as June 1st was, of course, the first time that you can bring players on campus. I give credit to the athletic who were the first one to report kind of like, look, he's now starting to sit down with recruits in the class of 2022, 2023, 2024, and he realized like, do I want to be here when you're a junior? Do I want to be here when I'm a senior? And I think it really hit him in the last week like, oh, this recruiting thing is starting over again. And yeah, I'm going to sign my one and dones, but am I really going to be here in four years? And so that was part of it. But the bigger part of it is what I said. It's what I said, which is the idea that the college sports landscape is changing so fast and so furious. Not only does it not look now, what it, not only in two years is it not going to look like what it looks like now, it doesn't even look like what it looked like two years ago, and it is going to change monumentally over the next couple years. The first thing is the one-time transfer rule, okay? One-time transfer rule, I've talked about it at length. You guys know where I stand. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for a college athlete to have to you know, stick around if things don't go well and work through adversity. I also don't think it's the worst thing where if a kid does transfer, he sits out. I've had Obi Toppin on this show. He talked about how valuable sitting out for a season was. He wasn't a redshirt, but he was an academic redshirt. Uh, he wasn't a transfer, I should say. He was an academic redshirt. Malachi Flynn, Dante, you know, Duncan Robinson, who's balling in the NBA. There's a lot of guys that have sat out for a year after transferring. It didn't kill him. But think about it from Coach K's perspective. He spends two or three years, he identifies the top four, five, six sophomores in high school basketball that he potentially wants to recruit, okay? They all come in. Uh, he spends three years recruiting them. He flies all over the country. He has to get up to watch a high school practice. He gets back. He runs his own practice. He gets back on a plane, watches them play that night. He signs that kid, brings him to campus. Mom, dad, we're going to take care of your son as if he's our own. Six games in, 10 games in, kid doesn't like his role and decides to leave. And there's nothing the coach can do. And I'm not saying for the millionth time there are not good reasons to transfer. But just think about it from this perspective, okay? This offseason, Duke had a couple players transfer. They had, first of all, they had four players transfer. Now, one of them was a, two of them, excuse me, had the extra year of eligibility. So it wasn't as though uh, they're just leaving for the sake of leaving. But the other two left for, are you ready for this? Texas A&M and Ole Miss. And I know we got some A&M fans that listen. I know we got some Ole Miss fans that listen. So this is no disrespect towards your school. But think about Coach K putting in three years worth of work to recruit a kid. And then the kid comes in and says, you know what? I'm not really happy here. So I'm going to go to Texas A&M. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, like, I know I'm really sorry that I didn't play you. And for the record, there are reasons there are legitimate reasons for kids to transfer, and some of it is on Coach K or any coach because he's going to continue to recruit players at your position to compete with you. But imagine if you're Coach K. You go into kids' home. If you're good enough to come to Duke, that means Coach K believes you're good enough to play at Duke and play in the NBA. And Coach K goes into your home, and he says, this is what I want to do. I don't know if it's going to be a one-and-done type deal, but give it two or three years. I've seen kids just like you work with me. We'll get through it. We're going to be fine. You're going to get a great education in the process. And after a year, the kid's like, you know, I'm going to go to A&M. 
And it's like, there's no disrespect to A&M, but there is more interest in Coach K's pinky finger in Duke basketball than there is in A&M basketball. And so think about it from Coach K's perspective. He's like, why am I wasting my time when not only do I have to recruit the one and dones, not only do I have to recruit the great players that are going to ha- leave after one year, I now have to worry about recruiting guys that are just going to leave because they, they don't like their role. Or after a week, they got tired of it. You know, like, like I'd be kind of, if I had been doing things one way for 35 years and it just changed overnight, yeah, like I'd be kind of like, do I want to keep doing this as well? On top of that, the name image likeness stuff. You guys know where I stand on this. This is no disrespect. It's not about holding down kids and not giving them something. That's not what it's about. What it's about is think about how different Coach K's job is going to be just two or three years from now as opposed to what it is now. Again, you go into a kid's home. Son, you know, I think you're good enough to play at Duke. I think you're good enough to the NBA. We're going to help you get to the NBA as fast as we possibly can. In the process, you're going to get a great education, first-class facilities, best weight training in the world, best meal prep in the world. You're going to get money for cost of attendance, so come here, come be at Duke. One, you got to worry about re-recruiting your players every year because of the one-time transfer rule, and I think that's a big part of the reason why Coach K, Roy Williams, all, these guys are like, I don't want to have to re-recruit my whole roster every year, but now, on top of selling the school and the academics and the NBA pedigree, and this is what we do with nutrition, and this is what we do with weight training, this is what we do with this. Now, on top of selling all that to mom and dad, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have an agent in the room saying, well, yeah, but you got last year's number one freshman in America. You got him a commercial with Gatorade. Or you got him a commercial with Nike. Or you got him a commercial with Durham Auto Center. Are you going to do that for my, my kid? Because North Carolina offered this, because Indiana offered that, because NC State, <laughs> well, wait till I tell you what they offered. And Coach K is like, what am I doing? Think about where Coach K came from to where Coach K is now. In 1980, Coach K was selling, come here for four years, you're going to get a world-class degree, and four years from now, we will have you ready for the NBA. I still remember in 1999 when Elton Brand, William Avery, and Corey Maggette, and for the young folks, look those kids up when they all decided to leave before their four years of eligibility were done. It was the first time ever that players left Duke without finishing up four years and getting their degree. Grant Hill, who is one of the greatest maybe basketball players ever born, stayed four years at Duke. Christian Leitner, maybe the greatest player in the history of college basketball, stayed at Duke. And it was a big story. Like, it was like, oh my God, even Duke lost guys early to the NBA. Like, that was huge 20 years ago. It was huge to just lose a player before their four years were up. Now, you got to re-recruit players every year. You spend three, four, five years recruiting them. You got to re-recruit them once they get to campus, make sure they're not ready to transfer every two seconds. And you got to worry about paying them. And you got to worry about agents. And you got to worry about this. I don't blame Coach K for leaving. And to me, and I've talked about it before, but I'm going to keep harping on it because I think this is a huge story. College athletics is changing rapidly, and I do think that the guys that have been around forever are kind of looking around saying, do I really want to do this? Like, like, do I really want to be a part of this? And it's not just Coach K. Roy Williams retired this summer, and as I mentioned a minute ago, Urban Meyer also, he had the opportunity to be the head coach at the University of Texas, and he said, I don't care how much money you want to pay me. I'm 55 years old. 
I've, I've won three national championships. I've done it my way forever. Now, every single year, I got to go recruit as hard as I've recruited, deal with the boosters, deal with the media, win 11 or 12 games, and I got to come back and re-recruit all my own players this year, and I got to worry because the starting left tackle got a TV commercial, but my starting right tackle didn't. He's like, I'm good. I don't want to be a part of that. And I do think as we move on, I don't want to say there's going to be a disinterest in college athletics because there always will be. We're always going to watch March Madness. We're always going to watch our team in college basketball. We're always going to watch Notre Dame and football and LSU Alabama and the Iron Bowl and Florida Georgia and whatever. And I do think, by the way, unrelated, I think gambling is going to help. We're all going to have a couple bucks on the game in a, in a couple years. We're going to have 25 bucks on the USC-UCLA college basketball game on Thursday night with Bill Wallet. But I do think it's changing really quick. And I do think the guys that have legitimate options, the really elite coaches, they're sitting there and saying, like, I don't want to be a part of this. The old guys are saying, I'm just going to retire. And I think the young guys, it is going to be more of a legitimate thing to just go from college to the pros. So for, again, let's go back for the young people that are new to this whole thing. 25 years ago, if you were coaching in college and you wanted to go to the pros, it was almost a no-brainer. Go to the pros because the money was better, all that stuff. Then about 10, 12 years ago, the money started getting so good in college athletics that these college football and basketball coaches are like, why would I go to the pros? I'm the head coach at Syracuse basketball or North Carolina basketball or Duke basketball or Alabama football or Florida football. Why would I go to the NFL? They're paying me $7 million a year down here. I'm basically an icon. I can stay as long as I want or I can go make 7-5 to be the coach of the Colts and get fired in three years. I'm good. I'm staying here. But what I do believe is going to happen is we are now going to see a migration back up to the pros. We saw it with Urban Meyer. Could have gone to Texas. I think in the coming years, whether it is the young college basketball coaches that are coming up, whether it is um, whether it is whoever, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, uh, whether it is Ryan Day in football, whether it is Dan Did you notice how Dan Mullen's name, he was a candidate for literally every NFL coaching job this offseason? It wasn't because those schools were interested in Dan Mullen. It was because Dan Mullen was like, I don't know if I want to do this college thing anymore. Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, I expect it to be the same because just think about it from the college coach's perspective, okay? You're Ryan Day, you're Lincoln Riley. Even You're young too, 38. You remember what, you weren't in college that long ago. But now you're sitting there and saying this, if I go to the pros, first of all, I get my summers off. I don't have to recruit all year round. But if I go to the pros and a guy gives me a commitment that he'll be with my organization for three years, he's going to be there three years. You know why? Because it's called a contract and and you can't break a contract when you're in the NFL. So I can go to the pros, have guys under contract. If if there's an agent involved, my, my, my GM is dealing with it. I can focus on coaching football. And then, oh, by the way, guess what? I got all summer off to hang out, be with the family, go to the beach, do whatever. And then mid-July hits, we go to training camp, all that stuff. Or I can stay in college where I'm still going to have to deal with agents, where I'm still going to have to you know, recruit kids and sell them on this auto dealership or this burger shack or whatever is going to pay you. On top of that, if it doesn't go well, I got to re-recruit you and convince you to stay. You're probably going to leave anyway. I got to replace you. I don't know how, so I got to go to the transfer portal. And on top of all that, 
you don't get any time off. Because think about the college sports calendar right now. College basketball. March Madness ends. What did we talk about even before the tournament ended? We talked portal. So you recruit the portal all April, May. And then what happens? By the way, we got a lot of Kentucky fans that listen to this show. What did Kentucky do all April and May? Recruited the portal. What did John Calipari do the second it went from May 1st to June 1? Had to start recruiting the 2022 and 2023 kids. So when do you get time off if you're, like, it never ends. And so I am just telling you, people don't realize it. We are in the middle of a very interesting time in college sports. Not saying it's good, not saying it's bad, not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. What I am saying is it is changing rapidly. And I think the guys that have real options are going to look elsewhere. The older guys, Coach K, I may, who knows how much money Coach K's made, but Coach K's made hundreds of millions. But, you know, whoever. I'm Michael Smith at, at, at this school. I've made $50 million. I don't have to work. I'm going to retire. Or I'm like 38. I've made $15 million, $5 million a year for the last three years to be Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, or whoever. And I can make another $15 million stressed out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Or I can go make the same amount of money in the NFL, seven-year contract. I get paid out $35 million either way. And so I just think it's interesting. I think it's worth watching. I think Coach K is the latest example of this. I really do. It started, in my opinion, the first time I noticed it was with Urban Meyer. This most recent coaching cycle where Dan Mullen was a candidate for every job, where Ryan Day was at least talked about in other jobs. And now it's happened in college basketball where Roy Williams is out, uh, Coach K is out, and we'll see what's next. Finally, what I would say is this. Let's talk about what is next to do. Coach K will coach this year. I guess in theory it's the first era of the one-time transfer rule, the first year of the one and uh, not one and done, the, the one-time transfer and the name, image, likeness stuff, and then he's out. And he's got a really good team this year, and I don't blame him. I'd want to coach Paolo Benchero as well. By the way, I didn't even mention that you recruit a kid now in college basketball and you have them ready to go, you've made all these promises, and then the G League swoops in at the last minute and takes a kid. So that's another thing that college basketball coaches have to deal with. And by the way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you lost a kid to the G League on April 14th that you thought was going to be your best player. Your fan base still expects you to win next year. So I don't blame any of these guys for leaving, but really quick, let's talk about what's next at Duke because to me, that's the really fascinating part. Um, And what I would say is a couple things. So by now, everybody knows John Shire... I don't even want to say a long-time assistant because he played a decade ago, so assistant for six, seven, eight years. He has been a a guy on the recruiting trail. He helped with Jason Tatum. He helped with some of the guys they got on campus now. John Shire is set to take over as the head coach. And, yes, I did make the jokes of Jeff Capel probably wishes he never left for Pitt. I saw somebody else say, I bet Wojo wishes that he never left Marquette. But the reality is John Shire is the next head coach. And, And let me just say this. I'm going to say next is going to sound like typical anti-Duke hate, all that crap. It's not. I wish these guys all nothing but the best, but here's the reality. History tells us that the longtime assistant taking over for the iconic head coach does not work well. Did not work at my alma mater. It's Frankly, my alma mater is probably the most successful one. That was Jim Calhoun leaves, Kevin Ollie comes in. Year two, Kevin Ollie wins a national championship with Jim Calhoun's players. It all ends with... The final couple of years, the, the program caters. They go get Dan Hur- uh, Craters, not caters. They go get Dan Hurley. Go to Georgetown. Many of you are too young. John Thompson leaves his longtime assistant, a guy named Craig Escherich. 
bet you've never even heard of Craig Escherich takes over. From what I remember, he wasn't even that bad. Made like two tournaments in four years, doesn't win very much. He's out, and as best I can tell, I don't think he's ever coached college basketball again after taking over for John Thompson. North Carolina right down the road. By the way, I'm looking up Craig Escherich's, I guess he stayed a little bit longer than I thought. He had five full seasons, uh, one NCAA tournament, but he did make the Sweet 16, okay? Um, Craig Escherich, not an iconic household name, though. Uh, 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 Dean Smith leaves North Carolina. What happens? Dean Smith retires. His longtime assistant, Bill Guthridge, comes in, rides the wave for a year or two. By year three, it's not going well. They go out and get the next guy in the family, Matt, Matt Doherty, who had two year, one year of coaching experience before that at Notre Dame, he comes in, doesn't go well. I respect Matt Doherty. He was a, on this podcast at one point. Um, but Matt Doherty is out. Roy Williams comes in. And so I'm bringing, by the way, Lute Olson. it took five, everyone craps on Sean Miller. It took, they had three coaches in three years after. So Lute Olson retires three coaches in three years after. You can look that up. Three coaches in three years after Lute Olson program stabilizes for a little bit under Sean Miller before he leaves. I'm sure it was the same under John Wooden. I'd be lying if I say I know exactly how everything went down under John Wooden. But I bring all this up to very simply say, history tells us that things are not going to go well for John Shire. They're not going to go well because you are now a 32, 33-year-old guy, first-time head coach, and you are now stepping into one of the two or three toughest jobs in college athletics, okay? And if you take one thing out of this John Shire segment, which is only going to go a minute or two, it's this. Just because Coach K has retired, the Duke standard does not change. It's not like because Coach K is gone, Duke fans are just going to be like, yeah, you know, we, we can go 17 and 15 this year. Who cares? Camera crazies will still show up. We'll still have fun. Let's get blown out by North Carolina twice. Who cares? No. Duke fans are going to be apoplectic if you, go, if you go 17 and 15 in year one, you're coaching for your job in year two. And think about the standard that Coach K has set. Every year, you're going to have the number one or number two recruiting class. I'm not positive on this, but I'm pretty sure it's actually legitimately hard to sometimes get transfers into Duke. They did take a grad transfer this year, but historically they have not taken transfers. So it's not like you can just go sign six transfers if it doesn't go well. Um, on top of that, you're expected to sign the number one recruiting class in the country, get that number one recruiting class ready to play and compete for a national championship in March with a bunch of freshmen. You're supposed to schedule the toughest schedule. You're supposed to play on the East Coast and the West Coast and the this and the that. And you play in the Champions Classic against Duke or against uh, Michigan State, Kentucky, or Kansas. You play, uh, you know, you're going to play on the West Coast and you're expected to win all these games. Big Ten ACC Challenge. You play North Carolina twice. You're expected to win all these games. And so I really don't have much else to say about John Shire, the future of Duke basketball, because I don't really know much about him been a good assistant but history says good assistant on a head coaching staff doesn't always work out and for him the standard this is not like when Greg Gard took over for Bo Ryan which is like make the tournament every year uh, go to a sweet 16 every three years maybe make a run every five years and you do that like we're good we're not going to bother you this is like you're supposed to compete for a national championship every year you're supposed to have number one recruiting class can't miss on a five star whatever so good luck to John Shire. I don't think it's easy. Easy. By the way, I've gone long enough on Coach K. I'm going to take a quick break and talk about Brad Stevens. But I bring it up because 
uh, I want to say this. What I will do on the, the YouTube channel later is the five programs that are going to benefit the most from Coach K's retirement. I think it's a couple obvious ones that you probably know. I think it's probably a couple others that you probably haven't thought a ton about simply because of the fact that, um, you know, you, you probably just haven't thought about it. So I will get that up on the YouTube page at some point today. Um, but that is basically all I have to say about Coach K. The guy is an icon, man. He has been there forever. He has done it all. He has seen it all. It is incredible to think that one year from now, someone else will be the head coach of Duke basketball. This is a guy that, as I said, he has been the Duke basketball coach as long as I have been alive. Um, you know, uh, he's coached against the Fab Five, Larry Johnson and UNLV, Michael Jordan, Len Bias, Patrick Ewing and John Thompson. It is insane to me. Um, I can't believe it. Coach K is retired. All right, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a quick break and then talk about a guy, Brad Stevens, that stepped away as well. Um, and it's interesting because if it had just been Brad Stevens stepping away without the Coach K news, it probably would have been, is Brad Stevens going to be the next head coach at Duke when Coach K eventually retires? But that is obviously not going to happen. So I'm going to take a quick break, come back, talk Brad Stevens. All right, everybody, I am back. I do have a little bit of good news, by the way. I did take a quick break. I look at my phone. After I look at my phone, what is the first text that pops up? It's my old buddy, Nick Coffey. He says, bro, you got to get me on the podcast. We got to talk about all this stuff. So I will have Nick Coffey on. We will do a bonus episode on Friday. I, I will have more time to digest this Coach K news, the Brad Stevens news that I'm going to talk about, and we will continue the conversation. Bonus episode with Nick Coffey Friday morning. But in the meantime... Let's focus on the other big piece of news in the world of sports that, frankly, if Coach K hadn't retired, this would have led my show, and I would have done probably 25 minutes on this just like I did 25 minutes on Coach K. The crazy part is most of what I was planning on saying about Brad Stevens doesn't really apply anymore because I'm going to talk about it a lot with Coach K. But the big news, we all know what happened. Thursday, Wednesday morning, we wake up, we're drinking our coffee, we're doing whatever. I don't know even know what time it was. I think it was about 8 o'clock Eastern or 7 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific. We see the news that Brad Stevens has stepped down as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. And immediately, I know the thought of every single college basketball fan listening. Well, that's my next head coach. Well, I'm a Duke fan. When Coach K retires, whenever that may be, who knows when that will be. As it turned out, it was the same day. He's going to be our next head coach. And North Carolina fans were ready to shove Hubert Davis out the door. And Kentucky fans were like, yeah, Calipari, you got this year. If you don't figure it out, we're bringing in Brad Stevens. And then we find out that it's a little bit more complicated. Brad Stevens is out as the Boston Celtics head coach. But in an interesting twist, probably not interesting, it was coordinated, obviously, his boss, Danny Ainge, the president of basketball operations, is also out in Boston. And when I say out, what I mean is it was kind of a pseudo-dual quitting, I guess, for lack of a better term. Danny Ainge decides, I'm in my 60s, I'm done being a GM, I'm out. Brad Stevens says, I've been coaching forever, and I am going to step away from coaching. The report out of Adrian Wojnarowski was that he was burned out, that he was ready to do something besides coaching. And so Danny Ainge is out. Brad Stevens will step into a front office role with the Boston Celtics, and he will now be in charge of basically, uh, one, finding his own replacement, 
And two, of course, you know, picking players and doing all that kind of stuff. But what is interesting about Brad Stevens, what's interesting about it in general is a couple things. There, if, this was just a, if this was a sports talk radio and I didn't have my specific niche audience, we can go in a million different directions. Is Brad Stevens going to be a G- good GM? Is he going to be – will he get back into coaching? Will he be able to – how long will he be doing this for? Is he the next Red Auerbach? Is he going to be there 50 years? But as it pertains to my audience, you guys want to know one thing and one thing only. Do I believe that Brad Stevens will be a head coach in college basketball again? And so let's get into it because, like I said, every single coaching search now – you know how, like, in college football, when Bob's, when, whenever a big job opens – it was Urban Meyer the last couple of years, but it's also like, well, you got to call Bob Stoops. Tulane open up, call Bob Stoops. UConn open up, call Bob Stoops. Arizona State, well, call Bob, you got to call Bob Stoops. And it's just like at a certain point, it's like Bob Stoops doesn't want to coach anymore. But I do feel like the basketball version of that is going to be Brad Stevens, where, uh, you know, the Arizona State basketball job is going to open up first post on the message board, Brad Stevens, the only call to make. And it's like Arizona State fans, you're not going to get Brad Stevens. Same with you, DePaul Creighton, Indiana, I don't want to say Indiana, we'll get to Indiana in a minute, that was, that was a Freudian slip, they were just the first name that popped into my mind, but like Georgia, like Tom Crane's going to get fired next offseason, and there's going to be some guy on a Georgia message board being like, we got to go get, we got to go get Brad Stevens, I don't think it'll happen, but the question becomes, does he coach again, and if so, is it in college? Now, does he coach again? I'll be honest, I do believe that he will coach again, and the reason is, is because while I look young and handsome and charming, and I am handsome and charming, I'm a little bit older than I probably look. And I've been around and I've seen more. And I've seen this exact scenario a million times. Young dude, prime of his career, just decides like, I've had enough, I can't do it anymore. And for the most part, they always end up coming back. Urban Meyer, we all remember Florida. Oh, I'm exhausted. I lost 72 pounds over the course of the season. I can't possibly ever coach again. Takes a year off, he's at Ohio State. Comes back at Ohio State, oh my goodness, these headaches, I can never coach again with the Jacksonville Jaguars. By the way, I don't blame Urban Meyer. Who wants to be retired at 48 years old? Nobody. We want to work, we want to get up, we want to have purpose in our lives. How about John Gruden? Remember John Gruden? Wins the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Gets fired, you know, five, six, seven years later, whatever it is. Goes to ESPN as the face of Monday Night Football. Oh, he likes being the Monday Night Football guy. He's, not, he's never going to come back to coaching. He's a, you know, he does Gruden quarterback camp. He's on all those Hooters commercials. He's so funny. He'll never come back to coaching. What do you know? Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas Raiders, offer him $10 million a year for 10 years. He's coming back to coaching. And he's with the Raiders, and he stinks, but he's back in coaching. And so with Brad Stevens, I think he's going to come back for all the reasons these guys come back. One, he just might not be good as a front office exec. But two, eventually, like that, once that coaching gets inside your blood, you can't get it out. Can't get it out can't get it out. This guy has been in a locker room since the time he was probably 12, 13 years old. And every single day, it's been about preparing for the next game, game planning, reps, getting the guys ready, getting your coaches ready, those meetings, those post-game wins where you're dumping water bottles on top of each other. Maybe you're lucky enough to get champagne at the pro level. And eventually, all these guys come back. And so I do believe that at some point, Brad Stevens is going to come back to coaching. Whether it's because he's not good in the front office, he's going to have the right opportunity at the NBA level, or he's going to have the right opportunity at the college level. Let's talk about college, because that's why you're here. Do I think Brad Stevens will ever coach college basketball game? I will say this. 
first of all, one, don't want to upset you, Duke fans that don't believe in John Shire. Don't want to upset you guys in Indiana that don't believe in Mike Woodson. Although, how could you not believe in my boy Mike Woodson? Don't want to upset you Kentucky fans that are kind of looking at that five, ten-year window where John Calipari might step down. To me, I don't think that Brad Stevens, it doesn't strike me that he will be a head coach in the NBA again, be head coach in college again. One, when he comes back to coaching, he will have plenty of opportunities in the NBA if he wants it. Now, does he want it? I don't know. But those opportunities will be there. Two, he doesn't strike me, although I do not know him, he does not strike me as a guy that's motivated by clout or motivated by whatever. He, it, it wouldn't have mattered to him to be the next head coach at Duke following Mike Krzyzewski. I don't think that matters to him, and you know why I feel that way? Because when he was at Butler, he could have left for a million jobs. And you got to remember, Butler wasn't Big East Butler that it is now. Butler was in the horizon competing against IUPUI and Green Bay, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Green Bay. Like, that's who they were playing against. And once he made that first championship game, ironically against Duke, the other big topic of today's show, once he played, you know, once he, once he got, made that run, he was the hottest name in coaching. And for the two, three, four years after he stayed at Butler, he could have gone anywhere. I don't remember all the schools that opened up, but I remember UCLA was like, he's our number one target. And he's like, no, I'm good. I don't want UCLA. I think Illinois was in the mix that, at that time. <laughs> I don't really want Illinois. I'm good. I'm, I'm good at Butler. And so he's, I don't think he's motivated by prestige. So I don't think Indiana opening up or Kentucky opening up or Duke opening up is going to definitively be what, you know, that's not going to be of an allure to him. Two, I would say on top of that, money doesn't seem to motivate him very much because the report was, and we all saw it and I talked about it on this show, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Indiana offered him a seven-year, $70 million contract during the middle of this season. Now, maybe at the time he didn't know he was leaving the Boston Celtics, but he probably did. But on top of that, I mean, if you know you're leaving and you want to keep coaching, seven years, $70 million feels pretty good. It's like the old, you know, the, remember that, uh, what was it called, the social network or whatever, the movie about Facebook, and Justin Timberlake's, uh, you know, uh, uh, character says, you know what's cooler than a million dollars? A billion dollars. And you know what's cooler than Brad Stevens and having 30 million in the bank? Having 100 million in the bank, and you would have had 70 more million over the next decade thanks to being coaching at Indiana. But on top of that, he's not motivated by prestige, he's not motivated by money, but we got to go back to why did he get out of college in the first place? I don't think he liked recruiting. I don't think he liked recruiting. I don't think he liked going into a kid's home. I don't think he liked chasing kids all over the country, and I got to watch these 10 kids, but I'm only going to get two of them, and I got to waste a bunch of my time dealing with these other eight and their parents and their AAU coaches. And let's be honest, maybe the agent that's kind of circling around him. And now again, it goes back to what I said in the last segment. Now he's going to come back to college and deal with that kid, but also not only the parents, but an agent, name, image, likeness, um, you know, the kid's going to transfer after one year. And oh, by the way, even if you sign him and even if you know he's a one and done, you got to worry about the G League swooping in. You got to worry about overtime swooping in. And so I just look at Brad Stevens and I sit there and say, like, I, I, I hope he comes back to college. It'd be great. We're running out of icons left and right here. Roy Williams is out. Coach K's out. Jim Beheim has like two, three, four years tops. But Brad Stevens, like, listen, anything's possible. A couple things. One, chances are pretty good that he's not going to be a great front office guy because most of them don't last very long. None of them last very long. I mean, 
even in the last decade, I mean, the Lakers have changed over. The, the everybody, you know, you, those jobs don't you don't get those jobs for forty years. So maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe the NBA sours on them. Maybe the right college job opens in the next five years. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Kentucky, maybe Indiana, because it ain't going to be Duke. It ain't going to be North Carolina. Maybe the right college job opens and he's interested. And like I said, I do think at some point he'll coach again. I don't think he's just going to be a front office guy for the next 40 years. But do I think he's definitively coming back to college? It's just tough, man. Like I said, all these guys are retiring or looking to get up a level. Because when you're in college, like I said, and I'm not going to repeat it too much, but one-time transfer rule. Then you got to recruit the portal when all your guys leave. You got you, you play a season. Then you got to re-recruit your roster. Then you got to recruit the portal. Then the second that's done, you got to go on the road for AAU. You get no time with your family. And then the season starts again. And oh, by the way, at Kentucky, Indiana, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, UCLA, wherever, you're also expected on top of all of that to win national championships. And on top of that, you got to make sure your players are academically eligible. You got to make sure that you deal with boosters. You got to keep this guy happy. You got to keep that guy happy. You got to deal with an AD. In the NBA, I will say, as weird as it sounds, it's a lot more just about basketball. Somebody else picks the players. Somebody else signs the contracts. You know, you don't have to deal with academic advisors. You don't have to deal with APR. You focus on basketball. And and when the season's done, you kind of just chill. You spend about two weeks in the facility watching draft workouts. You get your players in, and you, you get another two or three weeks off before the season starts again. So it'll be very interesting, but what I would say is I do not believe, at least as of right now, I would just say I don't think definitively that Brad Stevens is going to be a college basketball coach, certainly not any time soon. All right. I think that's it for today's episode of the Aratora Sports Podcast. I will say this. I woke up today mortified that I wasn't going to have anything to talk about again. The great thing is, by the way, I have some good guests lined up. So what I will say, a couple things before I get out of here. We had Bruce Pearl last week. Obviously, I'm trying to get my guys that I always get. I'm trying to get Eric Musselman for a midsummer report, Nate Oates, Rick Barnes. But obviously, they got a lot going on right now. So we'll see if we can get some of them. I will also have some non-sports interviews. One guy that I know I'm going to have, and I'm super fired up, Google him, look him up. His name is Forrest Galante. If you have ever watched the Joe Rogan show or listened to the Joe Rogan show, part of my take, he's been on both. He is a wildlife expert. He has maybe the single craziest show that I've ever seen. It's called Extinct or Alive, where they literally drop him into the woods in Indonesia, and he goes searching for animals that are believed to be extinct. He has a new book out. He's coming on the podcast next week, but I bring it up to say this is a fun time of year where I get to do stuff that I normally wouldn't do. But today it was a meat and potatoes old school show. Coach K, Brad Stevens, and I think that's it. I'm going to get out of here. Before I do, I want to remind you, first of all, bonus episode Friday morning. Nick Coffey will join me. We'll recap. I will have time to kind of just process everything that happened with Coach K, talk about it more. Nick Coffey will join me. We'll have a good talk. Like I said, the five programs that will benefit most from Coach K's retirement and that's it. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. If you're not subscribed, you wouldn't have gotten an alert about this one. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you can listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. I should mention, uh, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, I did my first ever live stream when Coach K retires, when Coach K retired. So make sure to go ahead and be subscribed so you can get alerts every time I'm doing something crazy over there on YouTube. 
but that's about it. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to Nick Coffee, who will join me on Friday bonus episode. This was the emergency pod. This was all essentially off the top of my head. I will be back later this week.